0: The thing, too, is these are all interconnected and we haven't even gotten to five yet, because if you're lacking in the ability to streamline your communications and all aspects of your business, then you're going to have a problem with just the process of hiring somebody because it's it's like a mutually exclusive process all by itself. They say, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Uh, scaling up. Yes, it's season two, and we are kicking off with our first episode of Scaling Your Business, Mistakes We've Made and Seen, So You Don't Have To. Have you seen them? Oh yeah, we have. And we're going to be talking about five, and then actually the next 11 episodes are going to be breaking down 11 different mistakes, but today we're going to just encapsulate five. Yeah, we have to scale up from five to 11.
1: (laughs) It's the beginning of the year, so we kind of have to catch our breath after a long and busy 2021.
0: We're going to ease into this and then scale it.
1: That's my word for the day. Up. This is one of my favorites. Mistake number one. Inability, obstruction, challenge of scaling up is lack of communication.
0: The article from which this inspiration has come is from the Growth Institute, Scale Impact and Reduce Drama. I love that. So evidently number one is a lack of communication, which is absolutely A hundred percent, I would have to say definitely should be at the top of the list. Definitely at the top of the list. We have that problem all the time with clients. In my mortgage career,
1: it was a major obstacle just getting stuff done, Mm -hmm. you know? There's two takeaways I have with the lack of communication issue. First of all, in the time that I was in the networking group called BNI or Business Networking International, one of their mottos is specific is terrific. And it's a cultural item that you can inculcate into your staff, into your employees, so that people learn by your leadership to be very specific in communications. My second idea about communications is kind of creating basic communications protocols. If everybody's on the same page about how a subject line should appear in an email or how files should be labeled or other types of items or chains of command even, we've spoken about employee manuals and procedures manuals ad nauseum, and this is the kind of thing you'd want to incorporate into the those standards for your company, basic communication structures?
0: You know, those are really good points, Trev. However, I think this is where the mistakes come in and this is the fundamental foundation of what we talk about, and that is, People are busy, too busy sometimes to think that they need to or that they can go into detail or how they express the communication. So maybe they they say, oh, I'm going to get around to it. And then they forget or they send an email but don't really specify. To your point about specific is terrific. I was guilty of that for years. My The team that I had working for me, they they were like, Linda, your emails are so cryptic and missing a lot of details. That, vague. Very vague. And you need to be more specific. Is the problem resolved? What transpired that prompted to resolve the problem, etc. So they needed a little bit of a dissertation to get it into context.
1: You say dissertation, I say standards.
0: Right, but this is the thing. There's no process on how to communicate when information needs to be conveyed. I think that is just a basic of you know, like we have a CRM, so we put notes. And we differentiate between notes and tasks. We tag one another so that they see it. We arrange the notifications so there's an email that's sent as a reminder to reference that note. This is like a lot of logistics to get the communication flowing, but that's the problem. People, they get too overwhelmed.
1: They don't take the time to create those standards. And that's our point, is if you make that an an obsession and a goal to accomplish, all it does in the long term is it just makes everything easier for everyone, including you as the small business owner. Owners, you're attempting to scale up your business. In the article that Linda referenced here from Growth Institute, they recommend a daily huddle, you know, a quick 10 minute meeting. What do you think about that one, Linda?
0: That's not only great, but do it standing up. So people feel like, okay, this is going to be quick. No one has to get comfortable. They don't have to arrange anything. They're just standing there and they do five to 10 minutes on a brief of whatever's supposed to be on the agenda for that day. Keeping
1: in mind the latest COVID challenges that are arising from Omicron, people are working remotely. So your daily huddle maybe takes on a different type of scope. When I was a, a sales manager at a mortgage company, I used to do a seven minute meeting every morning before my sales team hit the road to go out looking for business. Essentially, my meeting was to inspire them, but I attempted to keep it at seven minutes and every evening or first thing in the morning, I would create my points so I had structure for the meeting and a goal of what that meeting was. That's an important element too, I think, of your daily huddle.
0: You know, you have to get creative with maybe there's a repository of you have a list of accounts and everyone contributes to what's transpired that, you know, for if you have a team of people, what needs to be done on it or who needs to do what by when. I think it, this really goes back to establishing procedures as an operational fundamental.
1: What's item number two on the uh, challenges and mistakes of scale up?
0: Lack of cash.
1: Oof, we know all about yeah. that, don't we?
0: I mean, it's almost like it's a cash 22 sometimes. You need to make the money to spend the money, but you need to spend the money to make the money. I mean, what? what which is it? Cart, horse, chicken, egg? What? <laughs>
1: Well, one of the suggestions in the article from Growth Institute is to talk about how to get money from your customers. What they recommend is things like subscription or membership. Now, I guess that applies maybe to certain types of business models, but it's a good thing to discuss. Like, what are you doing to maximize your receipts of fees from customers? Like, what's your account receivables books look like?
0: Or here's an idea. You have your value proposition so tight and impenetrable that people. can't wait to pay you because they know the products and services you're going to deliver. We know
1: something about that, don't
0: we? We do. And it took us a long time to finally be confident with our pricing, be confident with what we deliver, our services, our ability and capability of execution. So once you have that tightened up in some kind of message, like you have a Word doc that has all the things that you do that you know the client's going to enjoy.
1: What we did in real time starting in January of 2020, 21, as we saw the demand for our services as a consultant for the SBA disaster loans, we created a plan of what we knew we would need to do to scale this up if the interest, if the demand continued or got even bigger, and it did. Both of those things. It continued and it got bigger. And so our structure of knowing what we need in terms of technology, infrastructure, systems, and staffing was very helpful because as we grew throughout the year, what we were able to do is preserve the cash that we had. We didn't spend it until we absolutely knew it was time to spend it on a technology solution, on a communication solution, on a staffing solution.
0: If you are feeling insecure about collecting money or citing your pricing list or you know whatever you're kind of sending that invisible message to the client or the prospect that you know they're not going to feel confident either to pay you because they're not clear on what the message is if you're not clear on your own message the client or prospect isn't going to be clear on your value inability to let go and delegate Wow. I love this so much.
1: (laughs) I knew you would like this one.
0: Well, you know what's interesting is that this three and four are very much tied together because four is failure to hire the right talent. So if you can't hire the right talent, it's very hard to delegate. And if you can't delegate or feel confident about delegating, then you are going to have an inability to let go. It's all tied.
1: They are really interconnected. You can't delegate to somebody who doesn't have the competence level necessary. So hiring the right Talent brings in that kind of person, and then you can sleep pretty well at night knowing that you have that kind of staff. Our friend, the restaurant owner, we've spoken about him before, who owns multiple restaurants, and he has staff that he completely trusts with the operations. Right.
0: Failure to hire the right talent, I'm going to just skip ahead for a second because that is its own process. There's a discrimination attorney that I like on my TikTok. He says, So there's not a lack of employee shortage, there's a lack. Of
1: good employer shortage. Yes, yes.
0: And I love that because that's back on the business owner. The onus is always on the business owner. You know, you can't blame anyone but yourself because it's your business and how you implement strategies and techniques and tactics. And since our podcasts are generally average 10 minutes, it's very difficult to go into just hiring the right talent. It's its own entity.
1: So the final or fifth suggestion from the article in the Growth Institute blog is the wrong strategy. Mm. Okay, strategy girl, what do you got for me?
0: I just was putting together a marketing piece where I grabbed from our Adobe stock an image that said, the old way will not open new doors.
1: Ooh. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the thing is, the wrong strategy, it does It doesn't mean that it's a bad strategy. It just means that these things are ever evolving. Strategy is a work in progress. It's a living, breathing kind of thing. And you have to try new things and they may not work, but you can't get discouraged. You have to know how to pivot. You have to learn how to pivot. You have to be able to cope with the fact that things may not work in a business. And if you keep doing something that isn't working, where your revenues aren't growing, or they aren't growing that fast, or your margins are shrinking, or your overhead is increasing, and everything is going in the wrong direction, you know, you have to be able to recognize that you have to be able to take the time to observe the metrics in your business that are critical to the bottom line and to the financials
1: kind of sounds like you're pointing everybody back to our long standing admonition for you all to have a written business plan. Oh yeah, That's where your strategy is going to appear. Your business plan is something that you can rely on. You can look at it every day. You can look at it multiple times a day. You can look at it once a week. And your fundamental strategy for starting, building, and growing your business are all laid out in that business plan. Reference that and that'll help you kind of stay on track.
0: Yes. Please stay tuned for next week's episode where we expect upon the details of not taking care of the details.
1: Really what we're talking about is drilling down to the details. They, they really do matter. Linda Ray here and I, Trevor, wish you all a happy new year. Thank you all for tuning in and we're looking forward to the rest of season two. We're talking about scaling
0: it up. Scaling it up. So we're going to drill down so we can scale up, baby. There you go. See you next time.